Hello, you're listening to a podcast from Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. Radio Maria is a 24-7 Catholic radio station broadcasting online via our app, Radio Maria Play, and on DAB in an increasing number of areas. You can follow us on social media. And if you enjoy this program, please do click like and subscribe to us on your podcast provider. Radio Maria relies entirely upon listener donations. We have no other sources of funding, so please do consider supporting us with a monthly or one-off donation so that we can continue to keep providing great programming free at the point of access. To donate or find out more, visit us at radiomariaengland.uk. Angelus Domini, nun sia mit Ave Maria, gratia plena Dominus Tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Hello and welcome to the Liturgical Looking Glass, a program that looks at the Church's liturgy for the week ahead. With me, Tim Hutchinson. And me, Nick Swarbrick. And today on the Liturgical Looking Glass, we'll be concentrating on the Solemn Feast of the Sacred Heart. Tim, happy feast day. Happy feast to you too, Nick. <laughs> do you have a prayer to start us off? I do, indeed. So, let us begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Grant, we pray, almighty God, that we who glory in the heart of your beloved Son and recall the wonders of his love for us may be made worthy to receive an overflowing measure of grace from that fount of heavenly gifts. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And so, of course, that was the collect for today's feast, um, which, as yeah. Nick just said, is the Feast of the Sacred Heart. Um, and um, so for obvious reasons, it, it uh, is very appropriate and very beautiful. Um, I think we needn't say much more unless you have something you want to point out from it. Nick. It was merely the, the wonderful word in Latin that we, we neither the old translation nor the current translation really make much of overflowing measure of grace. Super effluentem gratiam, meriamo mm. recipre. That, that idea of um, just bubbling up everywhere, get, get, getting into everything, a flood of grace, I think is, is, is a very, very powerful one. And of course, we'll we'll think in a, a little while about the history of this feast, and where in fact it has roots way way back in the uh, in the iconography of the church. Yes, well, I'm very much looking forward to the music and um, to the discussion that we're going to have today, and uh, may we be guided by Our Lady and by the Sacred Heart, um, and Our Lady Amen. particularly because tomorrow is also a wonderful feast. But we'll speak about that um, in a short while, won't we? Yep, yep. Well, today is the Sacred Heart, and um, the sharp ears of you, uh, of sharp ears of those of you that were listening last week, will remember we were planning to pay out with a Passion Tide hymn, but time was against us. So our first piece of music here is what what I planned to do last week. It's the choir of the Elevation Monastery of Ontario, Canada, with a hymn in the Orthodox tradition. And it recounts in its fullest form the principal events of Good Friday, Christ's arrest and trial, the grief of his mother, the burial of Jesus, and has the line in it at one point, you have poured out immortality on mankind, wherefore we worship you who was crucified for us, saying to you, O long-suffering Lord, glory to you. Again, we've got this pouring out idea. So here we have the Elevation Monastery of Ontario.
I was quite moving following the text of um, that piece. And um, yes, anybody that picks up picks up the blog from that and, and follows that link will find that the the whole text is is written out in between, and it's very moving, isn't it, Tim? Yeah, and also the, I was quite interested in the fact that um, it tells you what tones they're singing. Um, and yes, I didn't realize the first time I heard it that they're busy moving through different tones for different sections of it and I, i'm not sure how the orthodox tones relate to the um to the uh gregorian tones do you know anything about that the primary teacher in me would say i think that's something we need to look up isn't it tim <laughs> <laughs> yes. which which is teacher speak for i have no idea it's not an area i've got any expertise in but actually i can think of a place where i can look it up next time we have some uh, orthodox music i will uh, try and make sure that i'm better prepared for it for a, uh, uh, an out of field question like that i don't think musically they work quite the same way but i have a vague feeling i read somewhere that the tones have a particular emotional or theological pull to mm. them i would really need to go back to that and have have a look um certainly that's true of of our western tones to a certain extent not but again the writers of the of the um the chant that we listen to most in the west tend not to have been aware of what is a a theory imposed after the composition yeah that's what interests me about this is that um you know the true two traditions having um not always been uh kind of um completely aligned with each other both having this idea of um, I imagine they also have eight tones, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they have more. Um, and the, I... the, um, the Ensemble Organum, the, this French group under Marcel Perez, have an amazing experiment going in uh, one of their albums where they go back to a, a fairly mythical time of the fourth and fifth centuries where the liturgy is celebrated openly and is celebrated in a mixture of Latin and Greek. And by employing some of the techniques of Byzantine chant rather than the Russian that we just heard in, in, in that tradition, what you end up with is something which makes the chant at one level quite hard to listen to as a Westerner, but also explains some of the reason why it does what it does. Mm. And maybe we ought to look at this in more detail in another programme, because to, to hear a Latin chant sung in the Byzantine style with Greek words, and you're suddenly realising that actually the Mediterranean was not a barrier in those days, it was a highway, and that the, the, the communication between um, Rome, Ravenna, um, uh, what we now think of as as, as Croatia and over at, into into the the Greek Roman Empire was was quite quite common. People mm. could probably communicate quite well with each other still. Hmm. Uh, I love the way in the I know there's a bit of a tangent, but in uh, when I've been to some um, English uh, Orthodox liturgies, they announce mm. the tone in the music. Have you heard that? With the, yes, the yes. cantor will say in the fifth tone and then they yes. <laughs> but you know we go, we'll listen a bit later to uh, the intro for today's feast and there it is uh, it says antiphona ad introitum um v in the book obviously for five quinta there but i think what we we might have would anyone have ever sh have sort of shouted that out to a congregation perhaps they did because it meant that you could join in more you knew what you were doing um, I don't know I honestly don't know what the what, what the role of those is there is a question though leaping forward a mere you know 1100 odd years um, there is an issue there about the why the sacred heart is um, celebrated the way it is and it's about the passion mm -hmm. I think it's an interesting thing to listen to and, and think about quite what's going on here the history stuff of course is that it's it's in the 17th century 1670 is the first mass of the sacred heart promoted by St John Eudes who was um, a, a French uh, very energetic proponent of both um, the sacred heart of Jesus and the sacred heart of Mary, what becomes in our current feast, the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So it was also called uh, the Sacred Heart. On a... Sorry. Pardon? It was also called the Sacred Heart of Mary, you say. Apparently. Yeah. I've, I've, got the, um, I've got the Oxford Dictionary of the Christian Church in front of me, and it generally tends not to get those things wrong. Um, 
the consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary is something that happens in 1942 when Pius XII consecrates the world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Before that, his predecessor, um, uh, Leo XIII, uh, consecrated the, the whole of humanity to the Sacred mm. Heart which is an interesting way of looking at the, how we embed these feast days in our spirituality, the idea of consecrating the world, consecrating mankind, consecrating us as the French have done and um, the English in a, in a slightly different way to particular aspects of our redemptive uh, experience, yes. either to Mary or to, uh, or to the Eucharist or to the Sacred Heart. It's an interesting way of looking at these things. It is an interesting way. And in some ways, I've, I, I found it a little bit strange, you know, because you have also in, in the Divine Mercy Chaplet, the sort of, um, you know, you, you address your prayers to, oh, blood and water, which gushed forth from the heart. You know, it's, it's, yes. it's very sort of specific um, aspects of, of Christ and of Christ's body. Um, and I think for some people that can be rather, um, I certainly have, have sometimes been like, oh, well, that doesn't come naturally for me. But I mean, we find in um, even, you know, the Psalms, this longing for um, seeking his face. Um, so, so sort of to f focus in on one aspect of, of God, if, um, <laughs> if you can do that. I mean, it is a strange concept, but I feel like the the incarnation has almost um, made it, in one sense, more palatable, but even stranger. Um, and yet, I think this is God condescending to our our humanity. You know, um, in in the fact that this is how we relate to each other as well. You know, we um, we remember the face of a person that we love, or we might remember like the. Uh, if, as a child might remember the touch of a, a mother's hand or something like that. There are, it does have this particular, um, uh, it's localized, if you will. Well, it's, it's localized. And actually, I think it, it, it's, it's very, very much personalized in a relationship. You love mm. someone and, you know, you might love their, I don't know, their ears or, or, <laughs> or the, the way the their smell. hair falls or any of that. Oh, yes, that's yeah. right. All of those things which are part of, of the incarnation as well as anything. If we love Jesus' sacred humanity, we are allowed to love particular parts of him. We can't do much more than love through metaphor, I think, in lots of yeah. ways. But at least that, that does allow us to admit that there is more to love. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I think that's that, that's one of the the things that we have to think about. It's not just about heart, as in you know, is this a kind of some kind of divine Valentine's Day that we're celebrating here, but it is something about loving the particular in a particular man that we love. Um, and that's one of the reasons I think that I found when we were discussing during the week, um, you know, appropriate hymns for the Sacred Heart. It's it is quite hard to fix on something that will do a lot for a lot of people, because it's a very particular thing. Yeah, you know, you, you can't um, you can't always praise someone you love or even someone that you you know just some celebrity you know on the telly you might like them because of one thing or another mm. i like some i i like pope francis because of his smile it doesn't mean that i'm sort of absolutely <laughs> following him because he's got a cute smile that would be the most weird version of, of it but to to find something you admire in the physicality of somebody is is within our is within our grasp as humans and yeah. it it's also within Jesus's grasp as a human too to love us in all sorts of ways. Um, so speaking Calvin of humans, has a very sarcastic line. Sorry, sorry, go on. Oh, that sounded very interesting. I'm not going to cut you off from there. Sarcastic line from <laughs> Calvin. Yes. <laughs> Calvin, Calvin says at one point, "God doesn't love us because of our pretty blue eyes," and. Um, no, he doesn't. But he does love something about all of us. He loves the fact that, I don't know, I've still got a scar on my knee from when I fell off my bicycle when I was nine. It's not just all about the psychology of being me. It's about the physicality of me, too. Right. Interesting. So we were talking about hymns just now and um, <laughs> and about hymns for the Sacred Heart. Um, and there's yeah, a particular well, yeah. one that we want to we want to look at this morning. Um 
Do you want to say a few words about it before I... Yeah, um... sure, sure. I mean, I had a, a jolly time looking through this, um, through the whole devotion to the Sacred Heart and devotions that mention the heart of Jesus. Bernard of Clairvaux in the 12th century, we're going to hear something from him in a minute. In the 13th century, we've got St. Gertrude. The earliest hymn is a 13th century Norbertine called Hermann Josef, who talks about a heart of the Supreme King. I greet you with a joyful heart. I'm pleased to embrace you. But I think the one that really strikes me, and we still know it as sing it, is not actually about Jesus loving us, but our response to the love of Jesus. It's the Jesu Dulcis Memoria. Before we hear it, could you read us the translation, Tim? Sure. The sweet memory of Jesus, giving true joy to the heart, but more than honey and all things, his sweet presence. Nothing more delightful is sung, nothing more pleasing heard, nothing sweeter thought than Jesus, the Son of God. O Jesus, hope of the penitent, how gracious you are to those who ask, how good to those who seek, but what are you to those who find? No tongue may tell, no letter express, he who has experience of it can believe what it is to love Jesus. O oh Jesus, may you be our joy, you who are our future reward. May our glory be in you throughout all eternity. Amen. Amen. So that was the Cathedral Singers under Richard Prue. Um, what do you think of the treatment of that last verse and that Amen, Tim? It didn't um, jump out to me as as unusual as <laughs> as you had um, um, as you had mentioned before. Um, I I quite liked it though. It was good, yeah. Yeah, it does play with the sonorities that are in the in the melody. That that melody demands those fifths to be to be emphasised, and I think to do it to do it, do it with that Amen is not is not beyond the bounds of an original uh, an original version of it i'm not sure that bernard would have liked it um mm -hmm. because he wanted it kept very simple but certainly the the cluniacs next door would have loved it i'm sure right um i i'm gonna ask if i can uh, bring in something that we we didn't speak about but has been on my sure. mind um so when we were doing last week's uh, liturgical looking glass i suddenly remembered a also hymn which has um, this kind of focuses on the uh, 
I, when I was trying to remember it, I thought this sounds like something that would, would be a good hymn for Corpus Christi. And so I was sort of searching away um, while we're doing the, the, the broadcast, um, but didn't quite get it in time. And I'm reading the words now and seeing that it is actually uh, very much in, it, it could be a Sacred Heart hymn. Um, have, so you, have you got it there? Can you I've, play it for us? I've got it. I'm going to sing a little bit of it. Um, for us, I'll, I'll do my very best, and sure. um, it's called Wahazulwa Genga Yami. Wahazulwa Genga Yami, Lewala Pagate, Kuzen Dizifitle Kue, Balika Yesu. So I will, so, I'll give you a rough translation of that. Yeah. Um, and this is, I don't remember who gave this to me, but it's, I remember being told that it was very, very difficult tra to translate. Um, so anyone who's listening to this, who's a glossa scholar, I, I, um, please forgive if it's, if it's not quite uh, up to standard. You were crucified because of me, rock of ages, that I may abide in you, in the wound of Jesus. What are these floods? What are these floods for on your side? It is of water and of blood. Let me be purified. Tears of many years won't bring anything. You, O oh Lord, are the only one who takes away the sins of a person. I bring nothing in my hand. I've come just as I am, Lord. My eyes are fixed on the cross where the crucifixion happened. And um, the lovely thing about this hymn is if you're, if you're in um, Southern Africa and you, you mention this hymn, you'll find people who are not, um, who speak closer, who are not particularly religious, will um, often just light up and have a, a real kind of love for this hymn. And what is more, they'll, they'll often know a different version of it. In fact, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this, I've, I've struggled to find um, two people who know the same version of the hymn. <laughs> yes. The, the melody. But that's a sign of true popularity, isn't it? Yes. It's become part of a whole folk idiom of, of individuals singing and knowing the hymn and knowing it to be the right one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's, there's, uh, that was one melody. I, I know another one that goes... Um, that's exactly the same words. Um, just repeating the the third line um, three times, yeah, and and a completely different melody, and it suddenly has a a different sort of feeling to it. <laughs> it does. The first is more lullaby, and the second is more dance processional. It has movement to it, doesn't it? Um, yeah. I liked those. I think they're great. Yeah. So that's a a little also hymn to to the Sacred Heart. Um, or at least the closest one I could find. Um, 
Well, yeah. that's lovely. Thank you very much <laughs> for sharing that, Tim. That was brilliant. Um, I think we should always be aware of, of the fact that we have a, a massive amount to learn from those those tradition musical traditions that are not wholly embedded in a colonial past. Mm. And and those those were both wonderful examples. Thank you so much for sharing. You're welcome. So shall we listen to another hymn for the Sacred Heart at this point? It's, inter it's interesting. I found more hymns to the Sacred Heart than I did, or around the Sacred Heart, around the love of Jesus, than I did um, looking at the, uh, the, the chant text. I think that may be to do with the fact that this is, if you like, beyond the, uh, the er, um, era of pro properly, if you like, cre creative use of chant and the, uh, the chants that we've, we've right. got. Yeah. We'll listen to some, some later. have actually been superseded in, the pop in popular practice by hymns. So this next one, Cor Jesu Cor Purissimum, um, we know that melody is the king of love, my shepherd is. And the first verse translates as, Heart of Jesus, most pure heart, O holy altar, cleanse my filthy heart infected with so many sins. A gentle heart, a heart most humble, a heart full of goodness. Grant me a similar heart, grant the fire of love. Mm. So here's a bit of Cor Jesu Cor Purissimum. I love about these nuns is that you can hear their accents um <laughs> yes. and it would core zoom you know but yes. it's really quite sweet uh, i think so and actually if latin has a universal appeal we've got to admit that not everybody pronounces it the same way yeah um at various points in my, in my past i've had to grapple with three different ways of translating uh of, of reading latin out loud within a week uh, because of the different the, the different ways that the different audiences use latin it's uh, it, it can be quite an odd thing really in some ways let's move on however if we're thinking sorry i'm thinking about oxford there and, and immediately i think about oxford and this kind of uh, music i'm thinking about the wesleys i'm thinking about charles wesley and here we've got um and can it be that i should gain an interest in my savior's blood it's one of those popular methodist hymns apparently at one point it was voted the most popular one and uh, we're going to hear a 200 voice mass choir singing this uh, we'll just hear a, a verse or so mm. of this
That's really lovely. You know what comes to mind when when I hear this hymn? Um, I don't know if you've ever heard, uh, or shall I play just a little piece of it and you can tell me what you think? Yeah, go on. It's quite different. um, And and whenever I hear these words, this is the the version that, that comes to mind for me. this don't you nick that's the great maddie Pryor um yes. with the carnival band isn't it it's great <laughs> isn't she amazing oh i love that she album is good. So yeah. and i've been to a methodist church out in the sticks in the chilterns where very small congregations still managed you know, soprano alto tenor bass on a song like this mm. um, it's a tradition which once a congregation has got hold of singing and singing in parts really you know can li- can lift the whole uh, experience of singing uh, singing and praying together like that i think it's yeah. it's, it's great but d- she does take it at, at some speed and she pointed out at the concert i went to that it would be the same musicians that that played on sunday morning who'd been playing in the ale house on saturday night oh, and um, they they brought with them all those traditions into church on in the morning and i think that's you know that's right we didn't divide up our lives quite so much in small mm villages you couldn't do it um <laughs> yeah that's lovely that's really great i i didn't realize that you'd seen her live i um i only discovered her recently and i think her music is just amazing it's ah, well you see it's, i'm of a generation where steel i span with a kind of yes. um <laughs> think you sat around and drank cider too <laughs> but um before that before maddie Pryor and the carnival band we heard the 200 voice massed choir um, di- uh, directed da- by Damayanti Satwan. And again, if you look at the video, uh, you can see the, the women are all dressed in uh, amazing saris. The men are smartly turned up out in suits. Mm-hmm. And it's a packed, packed chapel that they're singing in. Um, I, I think it's wonderful. But of course, it's one of those things that you do get from within the Protestant tradition, that emphasis on personal salvation through the grace of God. And it has given us some cracking music. And I think mm-hmm. it's worth remembering. Uh, Amazing Grace would be the other one, which, of course, finds its way into an awful lot of Catholic hymn books, too. Uh, I think you know, it's it's worth remembering that there's, there is stuff to be learned here from both on both sides. Definitely. Shall we move, shall we move however, into today's mass, the introit, the uh, introit cogitationes cordis from the Benedictine, uh, Benedictines of Mary, Queen of Apostles. Um, cogitationes cordi eos in generatio and generationem. So his his uh, the thoughts of his heart stand from generation to generation, uh, to snatch soul uh, our souls from death and to uh, keep us alive in famine, and it's an interesting piece that when we see it in the in the text, it also has an alleluia with it. It's expected perhaps that it will also turn up in uh, in uh, Eastertide, which I suppose it can never technically do. So it must be used in other in other situations as well. But anyway, here is Cogitazione Cordis, the um, the introit for today.
Elspeth, that was the intro for today's Mass. That's right. Here comes the trick question, Tim. Yes. In that uh, beginning, did you catch an echo of any other piece of well-known music that might be sung around this time? Um, of course. Uh, what is it? Uh, that's the one. <laughs> I had to sing it before the words came into my mouth. Yep. Wow. You do need the words to, to, to keep these things going, I think. Mm. Anyway, there it was. That was the, the intro for today. And it does have that echo, whether it's intentional or not, as obviously um, that music comes before the Adoro Te Devote. And it wouldn't necessarily have been something that Thomas had, Thomas Aquinas had seen when he was thinking of it. But there is a there's a link there, and it's a link for us to make, even if it wasn't intended at the time. Hmm. So we nearly started that palestrina that, that that you had, and I should say that um, it's down as a palestrina, but possibly is by one of his contemporaries rather than by him. It's his Obone Jesu. We're not going to listen to the Robert Car Carver twelve minute version. This is just a. Um, uh, nearly a, a minute and three quarters of O Bone Yesu um, by possibly Palestrina. Palestrina. We actually um, sang this last night in the little choir that I sing in here. At, um, How did it go? It went really well. Um, we we learnt it fairly quickly, and you're right. It's um, I think it's it's been established that it's not a palestrina. It um, it was because they found a manuscript that predates him. Um, but he, he did uh, he did use parts of it and expand them. Um, in, in one of his pieces, so I think it was sort of just uh, assumed that because it sounded like like a palestrina for for the longest time, it was it was presumed that he had written it. Um, but I'm just recounting what um, our choir director Fiona had said she had discovered on a little rabbit hole she went down um, that afternoon, trying uh, having having been intrigued by the fact that it wasn't really a palestrina. Um, but yeah. yes, it went really, really well. It was it was great fun. Um, the parts are so oh. lovely to sing. It's just the rhythm that is a little bit difficult. Um, and where did you sing it? What, at what point in the liturgy? Um, well, we were just practicing it. We haven't. I'm not sure where we're going to. I was probably told, but I can't remember. <laughs> I'll tell you next <laughs> right, week. I thought it was. I wonder whether it was a, a sort of anticipated mass for today's solemnity or something like that. You, no, we're gonna, it. I think we're going to sing it on Sunday. But I'm not. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, there was there was a point where that Sunday would have been uh, a Sunday within the octave of of, of the Sacred Heart, and I suppose mm. that would be a, a reasonable reason for for repeating that. That was by the Polish Chamber Choir, and I uh, sorry, that was not by the Polish Chamber Choir. I'm doing it now. That's by Vox Humana, and we're now going to hear a, a, perhaps the shortest piece we'll play for for quite some time. It is simply the the triple invocation, O Most Sacred Heart of Jesus have mercy on us. So this is going to be a sneeze and you missed it um, piece of music by the Polish <laughs> Chamber Choir but I think it's worth listening to. It has a directness and a simplicity that I think is quite gobsmacking.
I like the fall at the end of it. It sounds almost plaintive. That's that sad, mm. uh, that sad move into miserere nobis. But it is just so direct. Such mm. an amazing thing, just to sort of, you know, hit hit your hit any any sense of of the of the sacred heart being something soupy and um, perhaps enmeshed in a nineteenth century aesthetic that we don't really find very conducive to our spirituality these days. There it is, absolutely. Bum bum bum. Cor Jesus Sacratissimo Miserere Nobis. I think it's a it's a great piece. But we follow it if we can. Oh, sorry, you were about to say something, Tim. I was going to say, and now for something completely different. <laughs> well, go on, go, go for it then. <laughs> no, that's all I was going to say. So tell us about this next one. It's a, a um, Per Crucem from um, from the, Ubi, the Teze album, Ubi Caritas. And um, do you I'll have... tell you a bit about it yes. when, we, when okay, we've heard it through. It. It it's a canon, you'll hear all different music, musical instruments coming in, uh, but it's a lovely piece. Ask that Christ should free us by his cross, passion, and resurrection. from the album Ubi Caritas, um, one of the Teze albums, and it was Per Crucem. You're listening to The Liturgical Looking Glass on Radio Maria. Yeah, one thing I'd like to point out about the, the way that those canons are done, uh, certainly on that, that album, and I've also heard them done like that in Teze, is not to divide a congregation up into you know, the people sitting on one side and people sitting on the other, but they divide into... Um, male voices and female voices, if you like. And it does mean that if you've got a strong enough bunch of men who are willing to do it, and that's a, a big if in some congregations, I know, you end up with something which is a very different way of presenting a canon. And mm. you've got people standing next to each other singing in canon. And it really is quite amazing if you can do it, but it does require a little bit more practice. And um, the best way that I've heard that one done in an English church is by having... Um, a, a small bunch of men and a small bunch of women singing it in canon, and that way you got round the we got round the issue of, of will everybody join in? And if they didn't, it wasn't the end of the world. I think that's that, that's part of the part of the difficulty with complex music in a congregation. You don't mm -hmm. want to alienate people while you're doing it. But that one does work. 
partly because the the tune itself is almost something you remember. It has a, it plays with a lot of themes that you might have thought thought you knew before, or not. If not themes, then certainly ways of putting a melody together. All those sequences of notes work quite well and quite um, in a quite recognisable way. Now I'm very excited about this next piece that you've chosen, Nick. I wonder if you say a word or two about it and why you chose it. Well, again, I, I pondered the fact that what we have here is another piece from within the Western Protestant tradition. It is a beautiful piece. He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with, with grief. And what we've got here is we've got um, the wonderful Jakob Josef Olinsky singing he was, he is this aria. And at one point, the orchestration has been so simplified so that he sings entirely on his own mm. he was despised and he sings it with such simplicity and directness that a bit like that coiesum sacratissimum you are suddenly confronted with the suffering christ uh, the 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 christ suffering alone not suffering as a concept but suffering in a real solitary sadness and i just think it's it's a beautiful piece so here is a piece of it beautiful thank you so much for choosing that one um nick it was such a joy to to um be introduced to that piece yeah that was Jakob Wolinski and the warsaw philharmonic orchestra and choir and i guess it's time for us to say goodbye that's right yes um but we have one more piece to play out with don't we we do indeed we do so the, the last piece is the uh, Jesus Joy of Man's Desiring. It had to be done, I think, at some point today with the Orchestre de Chambre of Jean-François Payard, uh, Cantata BVW 147, Jesus Joy of Man's Desiring. <laughs> An excellent piece to play out with, and here it is.
Again, it's been wonderful um, doing the liturgical looking glass this week. And um, thank you so much for listening. This program is available as a podcast if you um, didn't get to hear the whole thing. And it's also rebroadcast. Um, so look out for that on the Radio Maria schedule. Nick, it's been such a yeah. pleasure. It has been fun. It's a bit, been a good one. It was a real challenge to put together, but I think we, we made it. And I think there was some <laughs> cracking music in there. Yes. And look forward to being with you next week, Nick. Absolutely. Looking Great. forward to it. Take care, everybody. God bless. Yes, and have a happy, um, very blessed uh, Feast of the Sacred Heart and Feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary tomorrow. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Angelus Domini, Nuncia Vit Maria gratia plena Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. This was a Radio Maria podcast. If you enjoyed it, do please click like and subscribe on your podcast provider or leave us a review. Every bit of feedback helps increase our visibility and allows us to reach more people with the message of Christ's saving truth. And if you don't already, you can listen to Radio Maria live either online or on DAB in selected regions of the UK. We'd love for you to call in live and be part of the conversation. See our website, radiomariaengland.uk, for more details and a full schedule of programmes. And do please consider making a donation so that we can keep making more programmes like this. We are completely dependent upon the generosity of our listeners.